Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, joining me to talk NRL news and the Parramatta Eels, my good mates, 60s and Quint. It's uh, been a bit of a wild ride for the Eels and it's coming to an end. The uh, flame is hasn't quite gutted out yet, boys. It's still a light, uh, but it's flickering and, and struggling, but we're still here. But how are you guys doing this week? Well, mate, right now I'm freezing. We were talking about that before, and I, I'm not sure whether I'm freezing because those flames have flickered out or because that ill wind of Parramatta's 2023 <laughs> season is is blowing too strongly right now. But, yeah, it's not not the best time to be a Parramatta Real supporter right now, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Clint, how are you doing? Yeah, look, it's 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 a bit melancholic, isn't it, lads? You know, it kind of feels like the um, it's it's, it's like the uh, the car crash that you know that's going to happen, and just you're just waiting for that collision to to finally take place, so then you can um, assess the fallout from it. Um, you know, hasn't hasn't been a great week in blue and gold land. And yet, for all the doom and gloom, understandably, there is some spots of hope and good news, which we'll get to shortly. But in order to do that, we have got to ring the bell. Well, fellas, before I was talking about the cold winds, the um, the loss of the flickering flame, well, thankfully something that is keeping us warm is our wonderful sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners, Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. They they stick by us. They keep, they keep the flames burning on the Cumberland throws. So thank you to our wonderful sponsors there. And also a reminder that the home of the Eels, Parramatta Leagues Club, is where we will be after this weekend's big match against the Roosters. So come and see us. We're in Jack's Bar and Grill about half an hour after full time, where we will be hopefully dissecting an Eels win that keeps them still mathematically a chance of making finals football. But moving on, Unfortunately, we do have to start tonight. We're talking about more injury news, and it's significant for both the NRL and the NRLW because for the NRL, it's Mitch Moses, and for the NRLW, it's Elsie Albert. John, it's been a horrible year. <laughs> uh, I, I, you can only just laugh at this point, like laugh from borderline insanity because... Uh, we, we've spoken about the other factors that were within our control, but where we've gone wrong this year, uh, in particular with your extended series of column 60s, looking at where the Eels have sort of misstepped. Uh, but talking about things you cannot control, injuries have been brutal. And yeah, Mitchell Moses cracking that eye socket and needing surgery, I believe. Uh, it really is the cherry on top of a, a rather awful cake. And, you know, outside of that, I, you know, your heart goes out for Elsie Albert, who... You know, battled through that calf injury to get back onto the field in round four. 
had a dominant 25 minutes where you actually saw the makings of something pretty cool for the Eels in the middle. You know, you could sort of envision her, Kendi Charrington, uh, you know, the young Tyler Amiatu, uh, you got Mahalia Murphy out there, uh, you know, all building off the platform that Elsie was laying uh, in the future. And unfortunately, she went down and it, it was bad. You could just tell from her reaction, she was absolutely gutted in the in goals, couldn't move, uh, needed to be helped off by a couple of the trainers uh, and really struggled in that regard. And we're still waiting on the official confirmation of the degree of the injury, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is a full-blown calf uh, tear. Like a, a, I don't know if it's grade three or grade four at the highest level, uh, but her reaction was not good. No, it wasn't. And that will say plenty about what has beset the Eels this year if the major or one of the two marquee recruits for the NRLW ends up playing one game for mm-hmm. the season. I mean, at, at best, Rachel Pearson's going to play six games. Yes, exactly. It's, best uh, case scenario. I mean, technically, best case scenario, if the Eels conjured a miracle and got to the finals, you'd, you'd tack on a couple more. But regular season, she's only playing those six games. And yeah, it, it is really gut-wrenching because obviously on a personal level, you know, Elsie just suffered a horrible injury. Calf injuries are absolute buggers. Uh, but on a team level, you got the first glimpse of what could have been for our NRLW and, and Elsie really you know, had that forward pack firing in a game where they had barely any possession in the first half. They sort of counterpunched Brisbane and it socked them. Like they were reeling on the back foot. That game was there for them to really take a huge step forwards. And while they did a great job to battle through the loss of Elsie, when she went off, I feel like a lot of our, not just momentum, but our hope in that game sort of evaporated. And while they did a fantastic job to fight on, uh, yeah, we got 25 minutes of what could have been. Because Elsie looked every bit the marquee signing and how she uh, she took that big Broncos pack to task. Yeah, and, and she was doing it without Kennedy Charrington. Yeah, yes. So We're going to have it, exactly it, it, zero games of our best three players on the field this year. Like that, yeah, that, yeah. that that's just the grim reality. You know, we, we got no games with the, the triumvirate of players that we deliberately built around this year. And. Uh, despite their issues in the first two games where I thought they played really ordinary football, I said that they were building against Newcastle 60s and I feel somewhat validated in what we saw against Brisbane. And if you had those three pieces from day one, you as much as there are still probably issues with the NRLW team in terms of uh, the extended roster construction and you know players we could have kept or recruited to make it that much better, you can sort of see what they were going for. Like you can you can really build a team around those three players but not when they're not available and not when they play zero games together. So, yeah, heart goes out to uh, Elsie and to the NRLW team who have been just gutted by injuries this year. Oh, Clint, you live not far from Kellyville. Can you give us any insights? Has there been a huge mirror that's been smashed up at uh, <laughs> Kellyville this year? Is is there? I haven't seen any big ladders overhanging the playing fields at, burn the at Kellyville, but yeah. it, make, it makes me think someone's someone's broken a mirror. Someone's been walking under a ladder. Someone's had issues with a black cat. running around as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't speak to anything that I've seen uh, um, firsthand, but um, it, it, it certainly feels as though we've been bewitched and cursed in in um, in this fashion, lads. Because obviously, it's. Um, it's exactly the same with the men's in that this year we're yet to field our strongest possible lineup based on the squad, um, the squad makeup. You know, um, 
obviously we came into this year um, with a lot of hope um, on, on the back of uh, a 2022 uh, grand final appearance. Um, you know, and, and, and the team's been largely very competitive. You know, up until probably the last month or so, you'd, you'd say we've been in every game, at, um, you know, um, up until the 80th minute, you know, or, or, or thereabouts, you know. Um, I, I think our biggest loss prior to um, going down to the Warriors was a 10-point loss to Brisbane in Darwin. Uh, Darwin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know. And I think um, it's important. I think it's important that we stipulate that um, we're, we're trying to acknowledge all aspects of the season that have gone wrong, and, yeah. you know, and, and talking about the players that are missing, and, and and just to refresh people's memory, I my rough calculations for the number of matches missed by the top thirty a number of weeks ago, it came in, it had got up to one hundred and sixteen games, and and that's conservative because um, I, I'm not fully aware of exactly any matches missed by top 30 players in New South Wales cup level games. Mm. I've tried to, I've tried to cross reference as much as possible, but you know, I've perhaps missed some there. And of those games, there's something like 88 of them have been due to injury. Well, that'd be now up to about 120 because we've got Andrew Davey and Mitch Moses uh, out this mm. week, so yeah, it's it's jumped up to 120 plus for the season. Uh, sorry, uh, 90 plus for the season due to injury. So that is, I mean, that is really significant when we're putting it on top of a short roster mm. and a roster that's missing players in key positions. So um, yeah, sorry for interrupting there, Clint. But no, um, no, not at all. You know, it's because they, those together. You know, the, it, those factors go together, don't they? Because you've got the injuries and, sus- and suspensions, which, you know, suspensions, debatable that it's out of our hands or not. But injury is mostly out of our hands. But having having a depth chart that's not, not what it should be is in our control. And when mm. you get the perfect storm of injuries and suspension, well, you know what? That's how it is. I mean, I, I, look. I guess if we haven't hadn't had the sort of season that we've had in terms of injury and suspension, we probably do make finals football this year. But you know what? You have to expect you're going to cop um, a bit of bad luck every year with um, in relation to players not being available. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not let's say not excuses, reasons. Yeah, season. look, you know, there, there, there's, there's plenty of contributing factors, and you know, just a preface to everybody listening as well. You know, um, the, we we all acknowledge that there's, as, as Dixie said, factors beyond our control, factors um, where we only have influence, and factors where we have direct control. You know, and they all have played a contributing part to to, to where we are at the moment. So, at, at this particular point in time, we're talking about the things outside of our control, with the injuries, and. Yeah, um, you're, you're being dishonest if you're not acknowledging the effect that that's had, and that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Now, Clint, I want to throw something to you straight away then. After the weekend, and we saw a horrific loss by the NRL team, that, that sort of, you know, that sort of scoreline against the Broncos, horrendous. We saw the NRLW 
put up a real genuine fight, as we spoke about, against a star-studded uh, Broncos NRLW team. But the question to you now is, do we now are we now honest with ourselves and put a line through both teams when it comes to finals football for this year? The short answer is yes, um, as painful as it is to say. And look, you know, the fact of the matter is um, us here and and those listening, we're all still going to go out to the stadium on Friday night, hopeful and um, wanting for the best. But, you know, um, when, when, when you try and uh, bal- on the balance of probabilities and rationalise it, You'd have to say yes. It does look as though that 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 that's done. And look, if I'm if I'm perfectly honest with you, gents, I I had the sinking feeling hit me um, during the Titans game when both Mike Asiva and RCG was in Vino and oh boy, we're not going to field we're not ever going to field our strongest possible side this year. And with the games that we had coming up, uh, I saw that as very problematic. And when when those suspensions came down, that's that's when my um, apprehension probably turned to. Uh, a, certainly, a strong sense of fear. Where I was, I was, I shifted more towards hopeful than confident about our chances this year, and it's, it just kind of um, compounded over the last few weeks um, in in some some pretty average performances, or certainly certainly some very average results. Yeah, and and people look at um, the how we went against the Broncos in. Uh, what was it, round 24 last year when we mm. beat them 53 to 6. Now, I'll just there's run through of, the... There's, there's a lot of mirroring between those um, two games um, from the reverse because um, like for us where we had RCG out, the Broncos had um, Patrick Carrigan out that game. Um, they lost Adam Reynolds in the middle of the game as we did Mitchell Moses in the middle of the game. Um, you know, we we were we were coming into some hot form and and fighting for top four. The, the, you know, these guys this year are, are, are looking to close out top two and potentially the minor premiership. You know, well, um, but, that, there's a lot of mirroring yeah. between those two games. Yep, yep. But also, you know, have a listen to the the teams. So last year, um, Gutho at fullback, yes, he was still in the game. Sivo on the wing, nope, nope, not there. Okay, Will Penasini, yes. Tom Opachik, nope. Nope. Warren Blake, nope. Both Harbs were there, but we lost Mitch Moses at half time. RCG, nope. Nope. Reed Arnie, nope. Nope. Junior there, yes. Sean Lane, nope. Isaiah nope. Papali'i, nope. Murata nope. Nukore, nope. Um, uh, Maddow's, Maddow there. Um, did Maka Hesse play in the. In, on last week, or was he? Um, yeah, he, he, was he, got, he got activated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and then Jake Arthur, no. Oregon Kafusi, no. So um, quite a quite a, a difference there. Then you look at the Broncos. Tamari Martin was their fullback. Now they got Reese Walsh. Branko hmm. uh, Lee. Branko Lee was at centre, and uh, who they have last week in the. Uh, centre position, Irby A couple of chumps by Stags yep. and Farnworth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Pereira was the other winger. Um, and they had... Uh, it was Probably the young bloke. Mariner. Mariner. Yeah, Dean Mariner. Right, yeah, yeah, Mariner was in. Okay, their halves were the same. Um, 
their dummy half, uh, well, their props last year were halves and Flegler. Um, Turpin was the was the dummy half. Um, and uh, they had, uh, who was it, Jordan, Jordan Ricky, and Kurt Capel in the back row. Corey Jensen played lock in that game. Billy Walters came off the bench. Kobe Hetherington was on the bench. Keenan Paliasia uh, was on the bench, as was Zach Hosking. So it's interesting. You'd, you'd have to say they certainly had their side strengthened significantly mm. from last year. <laughs> Even if it was just one player of um, Reese Walsh coming in, that's a that is a major massive, difference. Massive. And all, all those role players, the you know Walters and Palaceas and Heveringtons, have all stepped up and and played you know either above their capabilities or expanded their game to new heights. And you know that's yeah that's what teams do when they're confident and they're you know they're sort of feeding off each other and off the energy that victories and successive victories bring. So. Broncos have done a good job. They took their lumps and developed their young guys, and uh, now they're in a premiership window. And you know they, as much as it stings to say, unlike the Eels who couldn't go out and find that missing piece signing, they found Reese Walsh, and that that's probably the, the difference mm. when we're going to look back on the Eels from 2019 to 2023 and the Broncos from you know uh, their building process going back a couple of years into the window they now have. Uh, you know, should they find premiership success, Reese Walsh? will be the difference between those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just talking about then with the roster, obviously we've had a pretty big couple of weeks with the series of posts on uh, what's happened with the Eels roster this year, Um, the impact of it from injury and suspension. And then we've got the latest one with what the roster looks like for Next year, fellas, it's been quite a fallout from that. The um, the replies have just absolutely smashed the website. We're um, you know up around that hundred and fifty mark with um, with a couple of the posts there. Um, the first post, uh, series one, uh, part one, is. Uh, well up there in terms of the most widely read post in the history of TCT. The third post on next year is, uh, I think when I last looked, it was getting pretty close to about 4,000 reads on that one. So it's it's starting to gather quite a bit of momentum. But, uh, you know, the, we, I have to mention it again. We've got 27 players locked in mm. for next season. That's that's a fair whack of um, having the roster sorted, and the con- and you know that might normally be a good thing. Like, bang, we've got all these players locked in. But then when you look at the detail, and that you've got that consists of six outside backs and six spine players, and that's it. And that the and the outside backs include Zach Sini. Well, it is. Zach Sini, Hayes Dunster, Will Penasini, Sean Russell, Bailey Simonson, Mike Acevo. That's the choice at this stage for Brad Arthur for his centres and wingers. And you go, well, uh, he's shown no inclination to use Zach Sini, who has, you know, he hasn't set the world on fire in New South Wales Cup. Hayes has had injury upon injury in the last two years. 
and um, you know a, a more dedicated bloke you wouldn't find. And he's battled and battled and battled, but we don't know what next year holds in store for him. If he has the same availability next year, then the Eels are stuck with four players that they have to hope are available every week, because that's mm. the that's the nuts and bolts of it. There and then, when you look at the spine, you've got six players to cover the four spine positions, and that's four spine positions across two grades, mind you. And same for mm. the outside backs. I mean, they're basically saying we haven't got the outside backs or the spine players to cover the NRL and New South Wales Cup. Like, what happens if Clint Gutherson goes down injured? Well, the spine players are Dejan Arcee, Dylan Brown, Brendan Hands, Joey Lussick, Mitch Moses. Is there another fullback in that? No. And if you go, well, we'll move um, Sean Russell to fullback... Hello? <laughs> what happens with the outside backs then? So we've got some major problems that are existing there, and I know I've covered it all in the in the post. But the thing is, are we seeing if the if the club's not going to go out and buy anyone? And we don't know what the club's going to do. This is you know, the off season is going to be very interesting for the Parramatta Reels before we get to pre-season, because they are going to need to get to work to fix this up. And if it can't be fixed, what's the option? Well, we were talking about it before, weren't we? That there's going to be an acceleration of the uh, of the younger players in the club, and maybe we're starting to see the first sign of that, John, in the New South Wales Cup team list this week. Can we go out of order? Now, in looking at the well, Teamless Tuesday, it's can you take the us most, through the yeah, exciting part of Teamless Tuesday, isn't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> so I'll, I'll throw to you now for the New South Wales Cup team list for Teamless Tuesday. Well, there's been a, a few flag eligible boys that we've come to be used to seeing in this grade now. Obviously, Arthur Miller Stephen, who went on to have an NRL debut this year and scored a try in that win against the Dragons, scored the first try actually in a win against the Dragons. Uh, Josh Lynn's played a few games up there now. Uh, we know that Jonte Jr. Beth Mees has been an absolute fixture in that grade. Uh, Charlie Guyman had his debut, so there's a few guys there that we've um, seen. But this week they've been joined by a trio of our well, flag eligible but also SG ball eligible compatriots uh, in the starting team. Uh, Will Penasini's younger brother and excellent football in his own right, Richard Penasini, gets a start in the centres. Uh, and he's joined there on the interchange bench by Matty Arthur. Bud's playing the utility role with dummy half. Uh, interchange player and our uh, big Sam Tuavite getting a look in as well as the uh, interchange prop. So a whole stack of young players in this team, and yeah, three players here, very keen to see how they go. Um, and probably the, I mean, we've got very high reps in all three players, boys. Uh, you know, for differing reasons. Uh, but of all three, while Buds and Sam have very high ceilings, and I think that they're. 100% NRL players, NRL plus players in the making. Um, the fact that you mentioned at 60s, you know, that sort of crunch in the back line that Richard's getting a start and, and how he holds up here is definitely the most curious short-term battle for me. But, uh, yeah, mm. so they've got a whole stack of young players this week. Miller, Steve, and Penasini, Lynn, uh, 
obviously Arthur Geimer, Bevan Mesa and Tua Vaiti playing in the cup squad. And yeah, it's a bit of a, let alone a flag takeover, an SG ball takeover of the New South Wales Cup at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. And and speaks to the talent that is in or was in that SG ball team that you've got uh, so many of these young players that have been brought through to open age football. Um, Clint, what what's your take? Is this going to be the best way for the Eels to go to uh, if, if there isn't anything on the horizon in the way of signings that BA at some stage next year bites the bullet and bloods these young players perhaps 12 months ahead of where they he might have ideally wanted to blood them? Mm. Well, look, you know, I, I think regardless of, of um, any potential external signings, that this is still a good move because you want those guys with that level of enthusiasm, um, you know, chomping up a bit and applying this pressure. Uh, you know, the, the, these are the guys who could replace um, the incumbent, you know. And I think a bit of fresh blood um, motivates absolutely everyone. And, and likewise, that, 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 that fresh blood um, uh, learns and, and, and adapts from, from the professionals um, quickly in those environments. But, yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's the right call um, regardless. You know, um, I remember earlier this year, Forty and I sitting in the stands watching um, New South Wales Cup and deliberating when, it, when we should bite the bullet with some of these types of decisions. Um, interesting that it's happening now, and I dare say um, part of the reason it's happening now is because um, the New South Wales Cup side is playing against the Roosters who are sitting at the bottom of the table, I think, uh, in, in New South Wales Cup. I think they're probably looking for a game or two like that to, to um, make some of these moves. Um, yeah. But, yeah, look, you know, it's, 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 it's a good decision. It's the right decision. Um, and, um, you know, they come out of a game like, um, like this, you know, hopefully with a win, a little bit of confidence. It, it's something to roll into the preseason with, with those boys because for many of them as well, this, it'll probably be their first um, full-time um, NRL preseason. You know, obviously, they get invited along and they do um, parts and aspects of the preseason leading up to this point, but you know, they, they'd become full-timers. Um, going into um, going into the, the upcoming preseason, so I, I, I'm excited, you know. And um, I, I'm like um, you originally touched on. I think Richard Pennacini is definitely the one to watch uh, most here. Um, obviously, Will has had an accelerated um, level of development in in, in RL over the last um, two two years, two and a bit years. Um, and the fact of the matter is, boys, you. you you know, maybe it might be a, a year earlier than um, what BA might be wanting to, to, to blood these guys, but um, you don't know they're ready until you you throw them out there and see how they go, you know, and the, the first step in doing that is putting them up against other men in New South Wales Cup, and we get to find out the answer to that question this Friday. Yeah, and to me, it harkens back to uh, 2018, where we started mm. to see some of the uh, young players like uh, like Dylan Brown and Ethan Parr and and Hayes, um, well, those uh, Reed had debuted earlier in twenty eighteen, but the, he, he those had, younger but he, but he had that accelerated development from seventeen to eighteen. I think it was probably yeah. uh, you know, and then we had also have guys like Murata Niakore debut that year who'd been in the system for a couple of years too. So sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, but those those younger players that I mentioned, they were brought up into the New South Wales Cup mm. from uh, NYC 
late in the season, so, and they got about five or six games towards the end of that season. Uh, Dylan Dylan Brown, of course, was one of the key players. That uh, oh, and I think um, uh, Smoke and Joe was uh, even got um, a bit of time in um, mm-hmm. alongside Dylan as well up in uh, reserve grade. Um, uh, he's now with the Roosters himself, isn't he? Well, he we'll be playing him this week, yeah. Yeah, he's playing against them this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so they they got that time in the end of the season. Now, it it did impact where the uh, where the team finished in 2018. Was it NYC in 2018, or was it um, had it switched back to Jersey Hold, Fleet in Cup, 20- Holden Cup and the NYC concluded at the end of 2017 with the grand final that we played against Manly. Yes, yes. So it was it, it had dropped back to being Jersey Flag uh, back in 2018. So they were elevated from Jersey Flag to New South Wales Cup. The Jersey Parramatta's Jersey Flag team, I think they um, dropped a few places. Ended up having to play in the in an elimination uh, finals match and had to play without Dylan Brown because Dylan had um, badly fractured his finger oh, he more, in the he last New South thing. Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the last New South Wales Cup game of the season and it, it then put him out for the season but it was it, it was like the um, introduction to a lot of Bill's uh, supporters of who these young players were and of course they then went on to do the pre, the pre-season and uh, someone like Dylan ended up forcing his way into the starting team right from the start of the season it forced the um, moving Corey Norman onto the Dragons, his uh, mm. his elevation. So there's there's maybe an element of that that there's here's a here's a bad Eels season, and okay there's there's a bit of a light on the horizon with the younger players. Now my stance on this is these young players are the portent to uh, better times. However. It does not, in any way, remove the need for the Eels to sign a game-breaking back. Mm. Ideally, you'd be looking at someone as a fullback, but they have to have a game changer. They need a game changer if they want to win a premiership. What they've got, what they've got there, it, with these players, if they come through as we expect that they will you will have a very, very good finals team again. But if you want to, if they want the Eels to break the drought, the purse strings have to be opened. And if it's if it's not just the straight-out purse strings, it, it, they simply have to be, I'm not going to say creative, they, they have to be proactive. They have to aggressively chase a target that they, that they identify as someone who will change how the Eels are able to win games. Mm. And they, there's no avoiding that. There's no avoiding that they, they, there needs to be a couple of key acquisitions to change the fortunes of the Eels. Um, but uh, anyway, we, we've spent quite a bit of time talking on that. John, what's the rest of the Team List Tuesday news? What's the main takes across all the grades? So obviously the jersey flag, I wouldn't say they've been left really, uh, but they've sort of been left to make do without all those players moving up to the uh, New South Wales Cup. Uh, so just to reiterate, 
you know, you're talking Alphamil, Stephen, Richard Penasini, Joshua Lynn, uh, and then on the interchange bench, Matty Arthur, Charlie Geimer, and uh, Jonte's been a part of the cup for the entire season, so I wouldn't really count him there, but also Sam Torvaiti. So they're without, you know, pretty much half a starting team or thereabouts of a talent, uh, and they've had to make do with that. But they've still got a pretty good team on paper. Uh, Arpa Tweedle at fullback. Uh, Will Latu comes in the centres to replace Richard Penasini. Blaise Talangi's back, which is really nice in. Uh, that helps mitigate the loss of Joshua Lynn uh, significantly, and Blaze is an outstanding player in his own right. Nick Lanars takes over at dummy half, uh, with Saxon Pryke coming into the starting team at lock forward, and that's the uh, extent of the starting pack reshuffle. On the interchange bench, uh, Jacob Davis is back to help with the uh, dummy half duties. Noah Reed, Araz Namva, and Lance Fulima round out the rotation. And in the NRLW, uh, they've got some changes this week brought about by the Elsie Albert injury. So uh, can I, uh, just before we get into the NRLW, fellas, uh, quick take then on the Jersey Flag because they've got a very important game at Ringrose Park against the Roosters, who are top of the table in Jersey Flag. They have to win it, the Eels. Um, depending on the minutes played by certain players, do you think it's likely we're going to see late changes with players doubling up? Yeah. For uh, example. We don't know how many minutes someone like uh, Matt Arthur might play. I, I think now, that he's Sam, I was going to say I think that Sam Torvaiti is almost a, a, like a sure thing to back up. I think they'll use him in restricted minutes, and Matty Arthur could be another one. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I think it's going to be um, tremendous to see these these boys against uh, open age players, um, and especially. Um, Matt Arthur is one out of the box as a dummy half. He's improving exponentially coming through, um, jumping from the 19s to the 21s of the flag. He is he is a star dummy half of the highest order. Mm. I, I want to I see someone on the opposition team on the Roosters on Friday night give him a reason to fire up because even though he's going to be giving away a few kilos, he won't back down at all. People um, will see someone of uh, a little bit of a different temperament to Jake in the (laughs) fire and ice, isn't it? Like Jake is just the 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 calm, stoic, you know, sort of uh, organizer at halfback, and and he is Maddie is like your classic instigating dummy half, isn't he? Oh, he's a niggler. (laughs) He's he, he. He, he loves to get a little word in the ears of the opposition players, and um, you know he, he doesn't lose control. No, or no, no, like no. That. He, he presses uh, no, buttons. But when yeah. it fires, when it fires up, you'll see him at the front. Like he'll be, <laughs> he'll be at the front of the the, the fellas there standing their ground. Yeah, he's a bit of mechanics um, there, isn't there? He knows how to press the buttons. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a he's a very entertaining player to watch. Um, not you know, not the least for what he creates. And he's a bit of a try-scoring freak this year as well. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting how many minutes he gets because I think they need him. Uh, and Nick Lenars, he is he is a quality player. We're huge fans of Nick Lenars. But Nick's been going great guns out of the lock position. Um, he, he's got that versatility to play the, the lock and dummy half role. But, um, yeah, I, I reckon there's a near certainty that if Bud's and he does short minutes that he'll back up in the Jersey flag. So mm-hmm. um, would you both both be happy with that to see some of those boys double up? Yeah, absolutely. If, if, they're, if they're playing below 15 minutes, absolutely. 
Um, I think in the past there's like sort of been a unofficial threshold of about twenty minutes from yeah, other guys that have, the guys. yeah have done you know the cup to flag double on the weekend. Uh, so sort of keep an eye out for the any players approaching that threshold. Uh, but yeah, anywhere around that, I've got no issues with them backing up, especially given that the flag are pushing for a spot in the finals. Yep. Okay. Sorry for interrupting. So the NRLW <laughs> key. Yeah, so it all sort of circulates around the absence of Elsie Albert, which is a huge blow to the team. Uh, So we see a reshuffle in the forward pack with Madeline Jones starting in the front row alongside Talisha O'Neill. Kyra Simon takes over at lock forward. And then on the interchange, Nikita Davis-Walsh comes back into the team. And I think that's the extent of the changes there. Eels taking on the Canberra Raiders, who have been uh, probably the pick of the expansion teams this year, boys. Uh, A couple of former Eels in that one there. Headed by none other than the one that probably hurts the most to lose, Car, former captain Smyma Taufa. She's been outstanding. Um, she's probably a, a not runaway, but a, a very strong favourite to take out the uh, overall Player of the Year honours in the NRLW right now. She is killing it there. But alongside that, Ashley Quinlan's been very good in the halves for Canberra. They've got uh, Tamaya Kelly signs, and then in the extended roster, former Eels Pathways prospect for Tessa Leo. So a bit of a blue and gold favour there. For the uh, Canberra Raiders or the Valkyries, I'm not sure if they're, which one they're unofficially or officially badged. Uh, and yeah, the Eels, they're going to do it tough this week, boys. Um, they showed plenty of character last week. And if they can do the same, even if they don't get the win, I'll, I'll be plenty proud of them. And it's, it's a chance to build, I suppose. That's the best way of putting it right now is they've got a lot of young players in the back line. Uh, so, you know, some good pieces in the forward pack that just need some more minutes to grow. Uh, players like uh, Amiatu, who... Uh, looks like she might be something out of the box, 60s. Uh, very good footwork before the line, great leg speed for a, a prop forward there. So if they can hold on to her and, and give her a chance to grow this year, it uh, could be one to watch. Yeah, I, I, I should have paid attention to what her numbers came in at for post-contact metres because the eye test said that she did a bit of damage uh, in post-contact and on the weekend. The interesting thing, this is actually at round five, the third home game for the Raiders. As How many in, home games did the Eels get this year? Eels get four home games officially, but only two real home games. Yeah, yeah. So this is their third game at GIO Stadium, um, and uh, the Eels got two two games at Combank, and then that's it. Yeah, well... You talk about those things that you can and can't control in a season, boys. Um, and both the NRL and the NRLW teams for the Eels have uh, copped it pretty firmly up the backside this year when it comes to stuff they can't control with the NRL and NRLW draws. They have been something. Like uh, I could use a lot stronger language than that. They have been something. Uh, and, yeah, unfortunately for our girls, they have copped an absolutely brutal draw. You get your two home games at NRLW level uh, in the you know first three weeks of the season, uh, and then <laughs> you're on the road for the next six. Good luck. Yeah, well, the, the Raiders get five games at GIO Stadium. Five. And the Eels get a home game at GIO, at GIO Stadium. At GIO Stadium, I know, I know, and, <laughs> Co- and Cogra. Uh, like, like, go go figure that. Yeah, so. home match at GIO and a home a home match at Cogra. Yeah. So... Yeah, the... the like I said, if if I speak, I'm in big trouble. If uh, if, we, <laughs> if we if we say what we should be saying, like honestly, no filters. Uh, yeah, there'd be people getting roasted pretty badly because uh, that I know that draws are complex matters, and there's a lot of things you got to juggle. 
stadium availability and all those different scheduling clashes and uh, you know different matchups and whatnot. But the fact that you couldn't even get that right really, and in in a in a season where you've shown that you're confident enough to have standalone fixtures, so mm. it's it's not like you have to play double triple headers out of the same venue. Um, the the Eels mm. found a way to cop it up the backside for both the men and women. So that, that's actually impressive. Yeah, yeah. So um, that brings us to the NRL. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, final team list to talk about this week. Obviously, the NRL taking on the Roosters this week out at Combank Stadium. Uh, another weird schedule too, boys. It's our last home game, and there's still just about a month left in the season. So, you know, that's how things fall. Uh, but the Eels do have a couple of changes this week. And like the, the story of the season, just as we get reinforcements back, some big-time reinforcements, it feels like we lose someone of equal or greater value. Uh, we've seen it happen a few times this year where just as we think we're getting to potentially having our full-strength team on the field like Quint alluded to, it just never happens. And this week, we get Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Mike Siva back, which is awesome, but you're losing Mitchell Moses and obviously Andrew Davey too to a smaller extent. But, uh, you know, you're losing your signal caller, your, your you know, field marshal, your general. So the Eels have uh, Sivo back on that left wing, which pushes Bowie Simonson into the centres. So no more... Uh, you know, 30-metre run sideways into a cutout pass to the other side of the field that gets intercepted, Bowie. Um, <laughs> you know, when a player has a licence revoked in NRL, it's usually in, in terms of having their kicking licence revoked because it's a non-spine player, you know, sort of taking advantage of a breakdown and play to kick. I think Bowie might have his cutout pass licence revoked after what happened last week. Um, but yes, Bowie goes back into the centres where he's been a much better player. Uh, in the halves, you have Dejan Arce at 5'8 with Dylan Brown Donning the uh, fabled seven. He's going to be at halfback this week. Be interesting to see how he can handle those responsibilities. Uh, Reg is straight back into the front row. No surprises there. Probably the biggest surprise this week, boys, uh, and it comes in the forwards, is on the left edge, that troublesome left edge position. Sean Lane hasn't been able to stay healthy, and we've had a, a rotation of players out there. Obviously, Davey, Madison. Uh, I've had a couple other guys sort of spotlight in there. This week is Jermaine Hopgood, so... I want to hear your feelings about that one because Hoppy's been very good at lock forward, obviously. And I think it was against South Sydney uh, where South, we, had, yeah. we had that bit of an injury crisis where he ended up sort of moonlighting out on the edge. Uh, and Brad Arthur actually uh, shouted him out in the post-match presser about how good a job he did sort of holding down that spot. But he takes over on the left edge to start and presumably play the full 80 minutes here unless there's a reshuffle for Ryan Madison. Uh, and speaking of Maddo, he's on the bench with Moretti, Greg and Hans. Uh, and i got to say, uh, I, I know it's come at the cost of Mitchell Moses and Andrew Davey, uh, but uh, the football gods are smiling on Luca, and I, I'm, I'm here for it because I think he's been quite good this season. Uh, and I think, you know, in a season where you're now outside, outside chances of making the finals, I think maximising his ability to get some play time is great. So, yeah, good to see him in the team list this week. Yeah, Clint, what's your take on having uh, Jermaine Hopgood out on the edge? Uh, I mean, it was a bit of a surprise initially, but when you sort of consider the makeup of um, of, of the team and, and, and who it is we're playing, you know, um, look, Meadow started on the edge against the Dragons, and I've, you know, I've, there's obviously some thought in behind um, maybe how he contributed to some of the um, defensive um, pressures that, um, the Dragons were able to execute against the Eels in that game. Um, certainly with Ravalawa uh, crossing the line, what, four times was it? And, 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 
at least two of those times in, in, in the opening 20 when Maddow was there on the left edge. So there might have been, you know, uh, I, I take it that the, this decision is made with um, defence front of mind and, um, you know, Brad probably looking back and thinking on that South game and the, the, the good 40 minutes that Jermaine spent on that edge defending. Um, it, it's, it's likely because of that. Um, I don't know if it's the decision that I would have made, but I can understand the rationale behind why it was made. So, um, yeah, you know, um, it, it, they're, they're two pretty decent forward packs that are running out there. You know, it's, it's kind of weird that it's 10th v 11th at this time of year, because I don't, you, you go to the beginning of this year, I don't think anyone would have thought that that's what would be taking place in this fixture. And it, 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 it should still be a, um, a well, um, a, a well, uh, a, a highly competitive game is what I'm trying to say. Um, despite some of the outs for, for both teams, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, at the same time, it's, it's, it, I find myself challenged to get excited because of a lot of the points that we touched on before, you know? Uh, and, and yeah, you know, I, I mentioned even earlier, there's, there's not a parameter supporter listening to this who's going to the game on Friday who won't be hoping, um, in their heart of hearts for, for a victory as we do every week, but. At, at, at the same time, you know, there's 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 definitely um, you know a touch of apathy slipping in with a, a look to the future, and you know that's uh, I, I um, share forty sentiments and you know, hoping to see a guy like Luca Moretti get a few more minutes, and you know um, if 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 this game gets out of hand and you know it, it officially closes our season out, I'd look to I'd look to get some minutes into some guys that that need it going forward. Yeah. I'm not going to preface my uh, preview um, comments right now. I, I, I'll i stick to um, my thoughts on Jermaine Hopgood because I think it's going to be interesting that he'll be playing 80 minutes. I think he has more mobility on the edge and that could work in both attack and defence. I think when uh, Andy Davies been there on that edge, I think he's been caught out a little bit. Mm. I think he was he was only on there for a short time last week, but he missed a lot of tackles in a short period of time. It, the The pace of the Broncos was catching him out, mm. and it maybe look this might even be a little bit of a nod to the future because I think there's a world in which because the Eels have dabbled with this in the past that Sean Lane is a middle. And it's, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen next year, but I'm not entirely ruling it out. So, um, and what we saw, like, Laney's had a bad year all round, like with, with injury, but where we were seeing him in the first grade team um, and, you know, on the field, I, it wasn't his best football this year, was it? Like he was, he was quite ineffective on the edge, and I think that probably had a lot to do with the fact that he missed. Oh yeah, he's he's, the early part of the he's, he's a guy that gets into rhythm. Um, we've seen it in other seasons yeah. where if he gets disrupted by injury, uh, he he can really struggle to get back to his best. But in 2019 and 2022, where he had those long runs, uh, you know, in first grade without being impeded, uh, he he is absolutely you know a well, world class might be too strong, but he's certainly not far off it. Uh, you know, back row, he's right up there in Dalian contention for the position. And yeah, unfortunately, this year, I mean, 
you'd be hard pressed to find a player of worse luck than him between a broken jaw, dislocated elbow, and a big hamstring tear. So, yeah, that's been a big loss for the Eels. Um, and yeah, uh, I'll be interested to see what they do for him next year. Um, I just want to gauge your thoughts on this, boys, because I don't know if I was a bit too harsh on the team and team was Tuesday. Um, I wrote that I think one way or the other, and I, I don't put you know all my stock into it, but I feel like one way or the other, we're going to learn some truths about this team this week. No mm. Mitchell, no Mitchell Moses. You got some big guys back though, and Campbell, Gillard, and Sevo. You're struggling on confidence. You're taking on a team that they're also way down on where they should be, but they've won the last couple of games. You're both technically alive for the playoffs. You got that in your mind as far as you know securing a good result. I said that a loss potentially opens up a larger conversation in the near future, whereas a win sort of changes the tone of that conversation where one is, are we talking a full rebuild or are we talking a retool? And while they both share the same couple of uh, letters at the start, they mean vastly different things when it comes to professional sports. And I I don't know, is, is that too much to say in a game like this? Uh, you know, last home game of the season, still on the hunt for the finals as mathematicals, or is there an element of truth there? Because the Eels that we know over the last four years, you know, they, they've they turned up for these sort of games. They've had bad losses, like we've seen in the last couple of weeks, uh, but even when the chips are down, they've found a way to turn it around and, you know, and invariably make it into the finals and, and do, a, you know, a good job in the week one, two, or strike through to the grand final there. Uh, I don't know, it just... It feels like there is a bit more on the line this week than maybe meets the eye at first. You know, I think a measure of the relevance of that question is that I'm afraid to answer it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm feeling a little bit more, um, a little bit more game to answer your question, um, John. So I'm, I might step in. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we've had some, uh, you know, very much. Um, you know, one player in, one player out. It, it, it seems, seems to feel like this year, um, but um, I don't think it could be underestimated the inclusion of Regan Campbell Gillard when we're, um, um, you know, uh, talking about the proposition that you've just um, posed to us, because the um, we, we've never had more than thirty-eight points conceded um, in in all of Reg's tenure um, at the Eels when he's been on the field. When, you know, in in a game in which he's played, I should say. You know, I think the, the biggest loss we had that he's participated in was the 38-0 drubbing we had um, suffered at the hands of South Sydney a few years ago at, at Combank. Um, so, you know, he, his, inc- his inclusion is big. And, you know, in, in, in terms of the, um, uh, the, um, the question that you just posed to us, you know, he, he represents um, the forward fight and the forward competitiveness, um, as, as does Jermaine Hopgood, you know, um, I believe. As well, and then likewise, you know, you've got Gutherson there at the back, um, um, flying the flag for the for um, for, the, for the backs. So, yeah, look, you know, um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think for either side. Look, look and then the fact of the matter is, the NRL is is the most competitive um, professional sporting competition in the world. You know, yeah, there's some differences between um, the premiers. Uh, who, who's ultimately premiers each year and, 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 and everybody else. Um, but likewise, there isn't much of a difference between teams, you know, probably like three and four through to almost 10, 11 and 12. 
the um, the variables each year is is generally, and you know we, we we've we, we've suffered a big time this year. Um, draw injuries, suspensions, and luck. <laughs> you know, and it kind of feels like we've been hit in um in, in in all the things we can't control. We've been hit very hard, and we haven't done ourselves any favors in the things that we can control. And um, it's only compounded the things that we can't control. So you know, um, yeah, look, you know, um. It, if if it was a heavy loss this week, and um, that record I alluded to with Reg was broken, I think then yeah, it becomes a little bit more of a serious conversation because because there's a vibe and there's a um, you know there's a a little bit of emotional unrest that's crept into Eels fans the last few weeks and it's certainly starting to manifest across um, across online platforms. You know you can see it in all the different um, all the all, all the different responses that Sixies had to his posts and. And likewise across um, social media and the like, but um, you know, it, it, it's, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, in spite of some of the things that we've said in this recording already, um, there's some small adjustments that need to be made. They're tweaks that will have massive um, a, a massive swing effect on our fortunes if we can um, manifest them. Um, but you know, we're not talking about sacking half the squad. <laughs> <laughs> and um, nor should you, because that's you know that, that that's not productive conversation because it's not going to happen. Um, even if, even if you did feel that, that that that's what needed to be done, which it doesn't. <laughs> um, so look, you know, um, I, I I think whatever the result is um, this Friday night and and, and going into um, going into the end of the season, you know, we'll we'll absolutely to your original question really have an idea of the um, the identity of the of the team moving forward, and likewise it'll. It'll probably set the energy precedent, energy inverted commas, of um, next steps. Yeah. Oh, well, look. Let's let's examine the team that's running out there this week, and how different that would be to any team that takes part in the NRL next year for us, as as things stand. So as things stand, it would differ from our best lineup, inverted commas, best lineup next year by uh, Mitch Moses uh, would would be in that in that best lineup, and uh, Sean Lane, and what that would probably be the major points of difference, would it not? Yep. From point, uh, what point, they were, yep. what, okay. So, if we then were to use that as a guide, then and and I mean it's a very rough guide because that's certainly Mitch Moses. <coughs> excuse me is is a a massive factor in the Eels lineup, but he's he's one player and. I don't think in the context of the players that the Eels will be running out in the forwards that um, I'm not sure how much I could gauge the loss of Sean Lane um, as far as next year is concerned. You know, uh, like if he's in next year, how much of a difference he brings to this the team lineup that will be going out this Friday night. But so I... I look at the team and I think if this team gets hammered 
like absolutely hammered. And it's going to be a very similar lineup that runs out there next year. I'm not going to feel too good about this. I mean, I'm, I'm very apprehensive. I think next year, if we were to not have any change to our lineup, it's it's the sort of squad that it would be constantly walking on thin ice. Where if you had an injury, it it, it could have a big effect on the team. That's especially obviously especially in the backs or the or, or in the spine, and that's a natural consequence of of the the aggressive physical contact involved in rugby league. So, mm-hmm. John, to to that end. If an Eels team without one key player was to really get comprehensively beaten, I'm not sure that it says a whole lot of good things about what's going to happen next year. So, um, but is that what I'm expecting to happen this week? You'll have to wait till preview time for for me to give you my takes on what will happen this week. Got to have the hook there, uh, mate. So, fellas, we now move on to the NRL. And I want to start off with you, Clint, because you are you would be the best person in uh, in our news podcast to be able to comment on Daniel Anderson. Because mm-hmm. this week in the NRL, so we're into our NRL news, this week in the NRL is a Daniel Anderson round. It's fundraising across all clubs this weekend. There's all sorts of auctions that are going on. Uh, captain's jerseys are involved in those auctions. Different clubs have got different match day experiences uh, with, you know, premium experiences that uh, per, that supporters can buy at games. And all these funds are, are going towards helping Daniel Anderson in his recovery and his adjustments, life adjustments from the surfing accident that he had um, earlier, or in the latter part of this last year, wasn't it? it? Was was it Boxing Day? I'm trying to think now. But anyway, he, he, mate, talk to us about Daniel Anderson because you, out of the three of us, you would know him best. Yeah, look, you know, um, Daniel's a former colleague of mine for a few years um, with my time at the club, and um, you know, an absolute gentleman. Um, you know, professionally known as Big Red to to, to many people, and you know um, there was certainly a contingent of, of players that he coached at the club who were involved with the club at the time that I worked there, who um, referred to him as such. And he was he was always a, he's always been a, a very very cheeky guy. And I think you know some of the footage that's been shared over the course of this year has um, given the wider rugby league public an insight into sort of his um his sense of humour and um you know, he's, he's he's always got that um that that grin on his face. He's, a, a very lovely man and you know despite having spent um time at a number of rugby league clubs you know obviously as head coach at the warriors as head coach um at the eels um in our run of the 2009 grand final likewise he spent plenty of time in our junior systems under under brian smith and um now currently involved with the the roosters um you know uh, you you won't meet meet many more rugby league people than daniel anderson but you know the the, the thing that he probably doesn't get enough credit for is that he, you know, he's actually a very intelligent and articulate man. Um, you know, and um, I have a lot of time for Daniel. 
um, you know, and I was always very thankful um, for my time working with him because he was a guy that had a lot of time for me. Um, you know, I, I, I spent um, most of my career um, in sport management and, and, and with the Eels, uh, working uh, across the administration of the football, um, the, the NRL football team. And, you know, um, and I spent a bit of time doing some um, stuff at the football department. And, and Daniel was always very keen to, to get me involved and, and open up opportunities for me. And, and we used to have really, really great regular discussions, you know, over the lunch table and in the office and, you know, just um, unpacking the game from different perspectives and, you know, um, a, a really, really intelligent rugby league mind. And, you know, obviously, it, 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 it's, there's no uh, way to sugarcoat it. It's pretty damn tragic, the, the circumstances that have led to, um, you know, um, led to his current condition. But at the same time, you know, um, <laughs> I don't think anybody could not be blown away by the level of um, humility and grace he has in, in tackling those challenges. You know, it, 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 it takes incredible bravery and, um, I, I think uh, not just in the rugby league community, but also in um, Australian community, we, we we have an unspoken respect for people who tackle challenges like that, and we we all rally around them. And you know that's 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 why we're seeing the level of support that's going out to Daniel at the moment, and rightly so with this level of fundraising and and the awareness. And you know, um, I, I couldn't think of a um, of, of a more deserving person because you know it. it, it yeah, I, I could go on for, for for quite some time with some of the superlatives I have I have for Daniel because because of that level of respect that I have for him, and you know, um, I'm 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 really glad to see that the the wider rugby league community and fraternity is um has has rallied around him and, and continues to offer his support, and you know, um, hopefully uh, this um plays some role towards um, better days and 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 um and continuing to tackle the challenges that, that, that will lie ahead of him. Well, mate, uh, very well said. And I think any supporter out there listening, if you haven't already made a donation to help Daniel Anderson out, you might get involved in auctions. You might get involved in, mm. in a donation this weekend. So, um, yeah, that's it's a great initiative of the NRL this weekend. And our, our thanks to all the different clubs involved with that. John, Tavita Pengai Jr., Quitting rugby league and going to boxing now. There's a cynical part of me. Oh, I was about to say it's hard <laughs> not to be a cynic. I, I, you know, there's no one's really touching on this, but I, I, I there's a stench about this as far as I'm <laughs> We're concerned. All thinking John, it. John, everyone that's listening right now is thinking this. It is. It is, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll get you to articulate. I'll, I'll get you to articulate on behalf of uh, both Clint and I. Look. How often, when you're set up for how 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 much long was he contracted? Another year or two? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I think, he's I still think it was another two. Another two. Another he's two. on he's on roughly seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, yeah. How many people would you know that would walk away from that sort of money to pick up a new sport where you know if you're not one of the big dogs in boxing, you make nothing. Like yeah. If, I think fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, quoted, yeah, ten it? to fifteen thousand dollars a prize fight. Uh, if you, you know, you need to be the brand. That's why Tim Zhu is a big deal in Australian boxing because he is the brand. You know, and he he markets himself yeah. around. So it's why Paul Gowan succeeded because Paul Gowan knew how to play the heel, um, and he you know he turned himself into the villain in order for the, to make those fights work. But yeah, look, when you have a player walking away from that kind of payday, when you have a club that has a uh, in the papers, 
had a pretty not transparent, but they've they've been struggling with their cap. They've been pretty aggressive with the spending, uh, and they've they've been you know linked to a number of really high profile, very expensive players that they want to you know uh, bring in to make their team better. Like it, it just it doesn't look great, does it? Like yeah, no, I mean, and, and straight away. Straight away, the talk was into, um, you know, the the Bulldogs would be looking at at signing or trying to find a a uh, a marquee halfback somehow, right? That they've got, and now the talk is they've got the cash to splash. And I'm just, you know, like we could see this coming a mile off, that somehow a highly paid player at the Bulldogs was going to willingly part ways. Now, I don't want to speculate about how a person (laughs) is compensated for, um, as you said, you know, like the the big contract that he's on and, and how these sorts of things work. But as I said, and, and you've articulated there, 40, there's a stench about this. Oh, I mean, so. And I know that NRL clubs are very quick to defend their actions, and I, I know that uh, Gordy had to make a retraction on NRL 360 uh, what, a week or two ago about I mean, he made some offhand comment about how if you won a premiership in the last X amount of years, then odds are you were cheating, and he had to walk that one back. But, I mean, it feels like, that's, it feels like that is the reality of the NRL, is that if you want to be, I mean, history points towards the best teams being cap cheaters. And, you know, when the, when, we, when the worst team is also a cap cheater, as we saw of our own club going back to 2016 or, or prior to 2016, but caught up to them in 2016. It's like, well, you see this sort of stuff, and it's the same club that has uh, quite publicly linked with offering shares in a pub to recruit a, a marquee target. Like, they're qu- pretty clearly willing to bend the rules. Or if if not outright break the rules, so yeah, like this one has it looks bad, it smells bad. Uh, that's all we need to say, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can't really say anything more because we don't know, and and the, these are all the hypotheticals. How is how is he going to be supported going forward? You know, Did he get in what? contact with one of those Saudi princes that we were talking about a few weeks ago? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> and Mbappe, yeah, he's got some unloose change in his pocket. <laughs> you know, do you know what? We're we're probably um, envious of any club that can make things work um, because, uh, and I mean, look, the Roosters seem to be able to make things work. The storm seemed to be able to make things work. It looks like the Bulldogs are heading down the path of being able to make things work, uh, moving on players when you need to move them on, somehow being able to bring in um, players on even more money, um, but somehow it doesn't show. You know, like, I, mean, I mean, we know the Roosters are great at doing that. At, uh, at doing that. And the thing is, when the Eels tried to do something creative, we were awful at it. It's also <laughs> like, like I feel like it's always a time and reminder that every major salary cap scandal in the NRL era has either been a self-report to get ahead of the curve or a whistleblower that was a disgruntled ex-employee that had gone to the NRL. Yes. Independently, the NRL yeah. has never found... They've found minor breaches and they always hand out their $50,000 fine, so that sort of thing. 
they haven't found a major cap scandal of their own volition. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think the uh, what did we have the the issue with the sharks just happened to fall well, on all the years. Yeah, and then found the, their the NRL was like, yeah, they, they they cheated before and after, but it definitely didn't impact twenty sixteen where they won the title. So. No, because they're oh, they'll and they'll, they'll cap compliant at the cap end of the reg, end of the regular the season, yeah, of the grand final, exactly. Yep, on yeah. the on the but day of the grand so, final, well, they'll you cap you compliant. you put all those pieces that, together. That's the dictionary definition of of creative accounting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you yeah. I mean, as independent entities, you can put all those pieces together and and sort of picture like how and why the salary cap works the way it does in the NRL. Yeah, and and do you know what it's. Uh, when you have someone like Gordon Tallis, who is has the level of experience that he has, has been at a big club, yeah, that is Gord, able to Gord, have. Gordy knows how the game how the game works exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's he's when he actually has the courage of his convictions to say something, but he's then forced to retract it, like forced to forced to you know take a step back on what he's saying you know what there's times that says more than anything when Absolutely. when when you know because he's only he's only saying what a lot of people suspect and he's saying it with more inside knowledge than any of us have i mean in in us having in us having a dig like we've just like we've just done and saying look you know this stinks, and you know, and these these clubs are this club and that club uh, can be quite creative with how they do things. We don't know the ins and outs of what they of what's going on there. Everything could be completely above board. Um, obviously, the storm have some relationships with businesses that have passed muster with the with the uh, NRL in terms of their TPAs. Um, the Bulldogs wanted to get something similar and it didn't pass muster. And I mean, they were genuinely upset because in their mind, it wasn't too different to what the storm have in arrangements. So, you know, it's, uh, we don't know the ins and outs of what's going on. We're pretty sure that the, the, the eels aren't involved in any TPAs anymore. So, and what a competitive um, disadvantage that is! Like, yeah, yeah, and that's a whole that's a whole different story. But anyway, we move on. It's um, you know they're basically the Bulldogs look like achieving what we suspected, which was you keep going out there, you keep signing people, and then you wor- then you worry about moving people on after you get people that you want, and yeah. um, and and I suspect that they probably got someone in mind. That they're they're going to go yeah, this, after quite this, heavily. This doesn't happen unless there are other wheels in motion. Yep, yep. But of course, the other big signing. There's been a couple of other big signing news uh, announcements that have come out. Well, Payne Haas. It's it's wasn't official, but it's been reported he's about to extend three years with the Broncos. Is that a complete surprise? I mean, you're talking no. about he's with. A, I mean, there was the rumours about the Bulldogs, right? But you know, it's been hard to prize him away from uh, where he's uh, where he is at the moment. Even though there's obviously been the issues in the past where he's he said he was going to test the market and all that. He had his own fans booing him, 
um, a couple of years back when he was mm. when he was first suggesting he was going to do this. But he's in a he's in a very strong team. He's he's in a state which makes him a superstar within that state. Um, high profile, well paid, strong team. Uh, surely a no brainer to I, be sticking around. I still wince at the price tag a little bit, even with the cap going up. That is an expensive middle forward, but mm, this is probably as, as close to a win from both parties as you can get. Uh, you know, the duration of the contract is healthy. I think three years. Yeah. He's young. They got he, that part right. They got that right. When, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yep, the duration's right. I, between three to four, I think, is a sweet spot for these sort of deals. You can maybe stretch it to five with a player as young as Payne. Uh, but and what's the, what's the dollar amount again? Uh, 1.2 per, About I 1. think, 2. is uh, the yeah, initial, initial yeah. report. So I do, I, I do wince at that. That is, you know, not just market resetting money in general, but it's, uh, you know, literally the best player in the competition sort of money for a position that doesn't influence the game as much as those other positions. Like prop is important, but it's not yeah. halfback, fullback, dummy half. Uh, but and as we as we talked about last week, yeah, you're talking that amount. It's close Re- to Reg both the Reg Corey Horsbro, Junior yeah. combined. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and and it also makes me wonder. You know, when we were talking about um, Brisbane earlier and how they've added Reese Walsh to the squad um, this year. What does someone like him in his current form command on the open market um, comparatively? Because you know, you'd argue that he is the um, as as we alluded to before the the, the biggest difference in. Um, Brisbane's performances this year. He's helped elevate them to that next level. Mm-hmm. You know, if if, 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 your, if your prop is 1.2 million, what's Reese Walsh worth? 1.5. And I just, and I, I say that without hesitation. I, I, I would, I, I would. Think yeah. he's a so do I. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> I with, agree with you. With the cap years. going up, given he's only, what, 20, 21? Like, mm, Reese yeah. Walsh is shockingly young. He's younger than Dill. And Dill is shockingly yeah. young. Uh, yeah, you, 1.5. I think you you wince very very slightly, like the very slightest of winces, and then you just turn around and have a big grin on your face if you can get him if you can get him because you you make that work some way somehow with the rest of your squad. I think Walsh yep. is now. Well, let me ask the two of you this: given his age, before the end of his career, will there come a time where he's on two million a year? Uh, if the cap trends the way it is, then I think we'll see two million dollar players before he retires. Yeah. Whether it's Reese Walsh, sure. I yeah. don't know, because by the time and, we... and the, yeah, agreed, forty. And and you know the um the fact of the matter is most deals have ratchet clauses, mm-hmm. you know that that follow the the um the, 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 the CPI yeah. increase of the, of the um, salary cap, yeah, of the salary cap. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I, so I don't too. know. I don't know if it'll be Reese explicitly, uh, but I think we will see a two million dollar play before Reese is done. Uh, and I mean, if he, if he keeps, if he's, you know, stays hot the way he has for the next five, 10 years, then he could very well much be the first $2 million player. Well, of course, the other big contract news that's happened in the last week or so is uh, at the Titans with Tino Fasua Malawi, a 10 year deal. A 10 year deal. Mm. I mean, there's always, that's always fraught with danger, isn't it? The, mm. the such long term deals. But. They obviously wanted to make sure that he didn't go anywhere. He must be exceptionally comfortable living up on the Gold Coast. So anything you want to add um, on top of just that straight-out news that he's got that long-term deal? Well, I feel like people aren't learning lessons. And look, Parramatta to also, <laughs> also have their own contract to worry about in that regard of deal, although it is structured differently with the 3 plus 3 plus 3 setup. 
and I and I imagine there, there are already clauses that have maybe been invoked after what happened earlier this year, as a uh, you know, uh, de-escal- not de-escalators, but like potential outs for the club. Uh, but it feels like no one has looked at North Queensland of Jason Tamalolo and said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't do this, uh, because mm. Tamalolo was the better player, or, or at least offensively. Uh, was by far the better player than Tino. Like, Tino was a very good attacking player as a middle forward, but Tamalolo was literally a generational like middle in terms of what he could do in his offensive production. And, you know, he's halfway through that contract and he's already a shadow of himself. Like, he, mm. he's been impacted by injury this year, you know, and that slowed him down a bit, which is something you consider. But even before the injuries, he was slowing down. Like, his production was being restricted. Uh, and this was in a red-hot Cowboys team. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tino, outstanding player. I think a little bit overrated uh, even before the contract came out. I think he's been a little bit overrated, uh, which, again, is not to say he's not an outstanding player, uh, but I just think he's a smidge overrated. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the Titans obviously have their guy for the next 10 years, but uh, I don't think it's uh, good practice. Okay. Now, the other thing, too, that's come out uh, in the latter part of last week, was that Manly, South Roosters and Brisbane have been confirmed for round zero in Las Vegas. That sounds so obvious. Uh, <laughs> it sounds, yeah. It's like, uh, um, okay, round zero. Yeah. There's a missing G. Yeah. There's a missing G. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're obviously talking about clubs that have uh, celebrity connections in the United States to help with promotion. You've got a Brisbane team that's named the Broncos. So mm. you've got that, you've got that there. Um, I mean, the Roosters obviously going to be promoted as Sydney, the Sydney Roosters. So it's mm. uh, you know, Americans will identify with the city of Sydney. So I, I think it's pretty straightforward in terms of uh, that decision. Not every club, of course, uh, nominated to go there for from this first year. From an American sense, I, I have to say. Marking the Roosters, the Sydney Roosters, is an awful idea, even though that, that is their identity. Uh, in America, you very rarely have more than one team to a city. Like, they take on the identity yep. of that singular team. Uh, there are exceptions. Mm. The big cities like LA, New York, and a couple others will have multiple teams in a given you know code. But they're going to go there and say, okay, these are the Sydney Roosters. Um, where's Manly? Now, which, which, which state capital is Manly? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I do see that point, but you know what? They're gonna have they're probably gonna have that issue in if it wasn't the first year, they were gonna have it in the second year or the third yeah, year, yeah. unless you really spread out the um and, and made sure that there was a, a, a really large geographical spread with every group that went went there. But I I totally see your point there, John. It's uh, from that perspective. Um, uh, it'd be interesting. Uh, what they say was? Did they say well, there were ten clubs that nominated to go for the yeah, first year? It was, it was around ten, mm. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Parramatta wasn't one of them. No, and and yeah. well done to the club for that one for not getting that one wrong. I, I do got to say, if we can have a round zero for an American junket, which I got no issues with because it makes sense, because you got to get yep. you got to get the teams back on a plane. Can we not have a five day turnaround from Darwin? And pardon my French there, but. If we can do that for the other clubs, can the Eels not have a five-day turnaround coming from Darwin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's fair. It's a it's a fair call. It's a fair call. And can we get can we get a buy 
it before one of the I, origin I, I, games. I'm not going too far, sixties. <laughs> I'm not going too far here. Don't don't get out of hand. Don't get out of pocket. <laughs> I'm just we, saying. We also not yeah, play three teams in consecutive weeks. Yeah. coming off five, so that would also be. Good. Hey, you guys are getting real greedy now. I'm just saying, if we can have <laughs> round zero, just no, just, no, 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 no five day turnarounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay, fellas. So now, um, just before we wrap up, a couple of things quickly. The Knights have got a sellout this week. Um, very quickly, um, yes or no, the Knights will make the finals. I think it, it's unavoidable at this point. Yeah, um, I think so too. And Clint, I'll, I'll, I'll get, get your answer first, but I just want to expand on this. Well, yeah, yeah, Clint, it, 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 it it's hard to see them not making it. <laughs> um, yep, okay, John. I, I think the Knights, are, are, again, it's another issue that's touched the Parramatta this year. Uh, and it shows you how both liquid and powerful confidence is. Because two months ago, the Knights were more spoon contenders than top eight or top four contenders, and the Eels were tracking right for a top four finish. And you know, suddenly they're the team that's breathing fire and you know looking unstoppable, and nothing's changed in their roster. And the Eels, on the flip side, are, are slumping. Same as the Roosters, you know. Same as uh, you know, the Cowboys were the reverse example too. They've you know. Awful to start with, then got hot, and now they've cooled down a bit. Uh, confidence is like the unquantifiable factor when it comes to professional sports, but especially rugby league, where momentum means so much, both in a given game and across the course of a season. And now Newcastle, look, I don't think they're title contenders, but in the context of the regular season, they look damn near unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, they um, they certainly disposed of the Bulldogs with ease, I think, Um the Bulldogs have probably flown under the radar in terms of the criticism because if if the Eels or a couple of other clubs were performing like the Bulldogs, the I think the media would be really putting the boot in oh, and, and, be and big time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like they're, there's some high profile players out there who are looking particularly ordinary. Um, last thing I wanted to. Uh, quickly touch on was there was a bit of a story floating around this week that Josh Schuster was going to be shifted away from the 5'8th role for the Seagulls game this weekend into the forward. So he was going to um, make that transition that they were talking about and that Jake Arthur would be playing in the halves this week in his place. Now, it's not how the Seagulls have named it, but are you expecting that? That, that you might see um, Schuster in the forwards and Jake Arthur at 5'8 as a last-minute change. Well, he, he is in a 5'8's rear end, isn't he? You know, I think Josh needs to bite the bullet just like Manly need to and make that transition sooner rather than later. And, I mean, he knows that in 2024 he's not playing 5'8. You know, they've got, mm-hmm. uh, they've got Luke Brooks coming in and there is no doubt he takes over at 5'8. So, uh, you know, I, I watched a lot of Josh coming through the junior reps uh, given that Manly and Parramatta always had you know big fiery clashes, and he always screamed to me as if he was going to realise his full potential, he needed to be in the back row, and also you know all the the sort of you know mouthful cement that comes with that sort of thing, and, and toughening up and playing less flashy football, but uh, you know maximising your physical traits on the back of it, and yeah, everything we've seen so far sort of points to the contrary. He had prolonged bitter contract disputes with Manly. Which quickly turned when you know Manly sort of uh, caught his bluff after signing Luke Brooks, and he you know he still got eight hundred thousand dollars out of him though for a year, so he's not exactly you know crying in that regard. 
but yeah, this this is a move that I think makes sense and Manly should be making this week. I think Jake should be, you know, Jake obviously is not going to be their front line half next year, but developing Jake to be a better backup half Manly makes sense. Developing Josh Schuster to be a competent starting edge back rower makes sense. Uh, so logically, these two moves synergize. You should be doing it this week. Yeah, and, and I even wondered to um, going into next year that uh, uh, Jake himself might end up in a lock position rather than a, a halves position, but that'll be another story for, for well, them to... Uh, yeah, exactly, and, and Jake could quite easily, if he goes that path, could still occupy a utility forward role on the bench where he is your backup halfback within the squad still. So getting playmaking reps into his game is still value, more valuable than getting him into Josh Schuster's game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, fellas, I think we've just about exhausted all the Eels news, all the NRL news. So once more, a big thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Again, a reminder that the home of the Eels, Parramatta Leagues Club, is where you will find us about half an hour after full time on Friday night as we dissect what will be, I'm going to take the confidence stance here, fellas, what will be the Eels' victory over the Roosters, uh, a victory that will propel the Eels back into strong contention for a, a finals place. So come and join us and have a drink, grab a, a pizza or some of the other fine food options that are available in Jack's Bar and Grill. Have a listen to us talk about the game and... Uh, Enjoy being in the home of the Eels. John, Clint, thank you again for another fine episode. To our listeners, thank you for being part of this. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and give us a, a like. Uh, that all helps with the metrics on that particular platform. And apart from all of that, go you mighty Eels. <laughs>